Hey folks, thanks for joining us for another episode of Travel and Trivia, a podcast for the curious traveler eager to embark on their next adventure. The pressure is really on today. Not only are we both from Michigan, but a large majority of our listeners are as well. Thank you, Podcast Analytics. Anyway, we better show out for the home crowd. On today's episode, I'm joined by my wonderful and accomplished wife and co-host, Chloe. Sit on back as we take off full speed ahead on an audio adventure through the best state there is, Michigan. Wow, Seth, that sounds like you might be a little biased. While that is 100% true, I'd like to back up bold claims with facts. Michigan touches four of the five Great Lakes and is home to the longest freshwater coastline in the United States. While the professional sports teams might leave you hanging, the untapped natural beauty of the Upper Peninsula sure won't. Neither will the National Park, National Lakeshores, Blue Ribbon Trout Streams, breweries, wineries, orchards, or friendly Michiganders you'll meet along the way. Straddling the 45th parallel, the state of Michigan boasts a temperate climate where all seasons can be enjoyed. I will not apologize for my state pride speech, but we must get back to the show. The round will consist of 10 questions varying in difficulty level and one bonus question. Stick around for the 7th question stretch for a Michigan story and some hot tips for your next Michigan trip. A reminder, there will be just over 30 seconds to answer each question, so if you're impatient like me, feel free to skip ahead. Backed by popular demand, the newly implemented Chloe Hardness Test is in effect. Prior to recording, Chloe must play the 11 question round, and if she gets more than 4 right, the episode is a go. Find out how well Chloe knows her home state at the end of this episode. Grab yourself a bag of better made chips and a Fago. Let's kick this thing off Michigan style. Question 1 While many of you may be familiar with Michigan's national park, Isle Royale, the state used to be home to another national park. In fact, this now transitioned park was the second national park in the country established only three years after Yellowstone. Where was Michigan's first national park? And the answer is Mackinac Island. That's right, the unofficial fudge capital of Michigan was America's second national park. This island lost a time where horses still serve as a primary mode of transportation, became a national park in 1875, and remained so until 1895. At that time, the national park was turned over to the state of Michigan. Promptly, Michigan established Mackinac Island State Park, the first state park in the entire country. Question 2. Those that live below the famed Mighty Mackinac Bridge are known regionally as trolls. What is the name for those living above the bridge in Michigan's Upper Peninsula?
And the answer is Youpers. The word Youper comes from the most common nickname of Michigan's Upper Peninsula, the UP. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the term Youper has been spoken by Upper Peninsula locals for over 40 years, but only recently has its use spread to the UP's geographic neighbors. Interestingly, the term troll is still too much of a regionalism to qualify for the entry into the dictionary. So there you have it. Youpers, you're more popular than trolls in the eyes of the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Question 3. What Michigan city is known as the cherry capital of the world? And the answer is Traverse City. Traverse City serves as the epicenter for fruit growth throughout Michigan. The week-long National Cherry Festival is held here every year to celebrate the bounty of the region. So what's the secret to cherry growing success? According to a Michigan State University study, the close proximity to Lake Michigan acts as a moderating body, preventing drastic temperature swings in the fall and summer. In addition, it also provides the frequent rainfall needed for great fruit production. These factors, coupled with the ideal fertile soil conditions, make this area home to 77% of the nation's tart cherry production. Now, for a get-to-know-us fact, three years ago, almost to the day, a Traverse City beach was the site of our proposal. Needless to say, this city holds a special place in our hearts. Question 4. A lot can be defined as an enclosure located within a watercourse with gates at each end within which the water level may be varied to raise or lower boats. Locks are common throughout the Great Lakes to support the shipping industry of regional products by means of water travel. Perhaps the most famous Great Lake locks are the Sioux Locks. Thanks to this linchpin of the Great Lakes, over 7,000 vessels are able to pass through yearly, hauling nearly 86 million tons of cargo. What two Great Lakes do these iconic locks connect? And the answer is Lake Superior and Lake Huron. The Sioux Locks are located within the St. Mary's River near Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. With a water elevation difference of 21 feet, ship passage would be impossible between the two lakes without this engineering marvel. Thanks to these locks, 1,000 plus foot freighters are free to travel from Duluth, Minnesota to the St. Lawrence Seaway and beyond. Question 5. If there's one thing Michigan definitely isn't lacking, it's fresh water. Combined, the Great Lakes hold an estimated 6 quadrillion gallons of the stuff. While much of the Great Lakes are vast expanse of inland seas, they are also home to islands that contain their own unique features. 
What is the name of the largest island in the largest lake on the largest island in the largest lake in Michigan? And the answer is Ryan Island in Siskiwit Lake, located on Isle Royal, the largest island in Lake Superior. The entirety of Isle Royal is a federally protected national park. Due to the isolation that comes with being an island within the largest freshwater lake in the world, by surface area, don't come at me lake by call fans, the national park is one of the least visited in the lower 48. Don't let the lack of visitation fool you. If you're up for an off-the-grid adventure in a pristine Michigan wilderness, you'll be hard-pressed to find a better place. Question 6. Detroit, Michigan has long been known as the automotive capital of the world. Although the time of the Model T is in our rear view, Michigan continues to manufacture more automobiles than any other state. In the automobile industry, the big three are each headquartered in the Detroit metropolitan area. Name them. And the answers are Ford Motor Company, General Motors, and Chrysler or Stellantis. Times may be changing in the auto industry, but I'm hopeful these companies and the over 41,000 motor vehicle manufacturing jobs they provide throughout Michigan aren't going anywhere. Today's seventh question stretch brought to you by Iva's Chicken Dinners. Chloe, take it away with a shameless plug. Oh my goodness. My family has been proud owners of Ivis Chicken Dinners in Sterling, Michigan for three generations since 1938. And they make some mean fried chicken. I thought it was 1934. No, 38. All right, that's fair. Right, right in the depression. <laughs> oh my gosh. Earlier in the podcast, I made brief mention of my marriage proposal to Chloe, which from the outside looking in, if you just heard that, you'd think, oh, everything went perfectly. That's so sweet. It didn't exactly go to plan. What do you mean? I said yes. Isn't that what you wanted? Yeah, it was just supposed to be like a lot better. <laughs> well, it was definitely memorable. Thanks. That's, that's cute. <laughs> the summer of 2019 was quickly dwindling down to an end. Our time together was already limited as I worked during the week and Chloe worked on the weekends. To make matters even worse, she was heading back to school with a ring burning a hole in my pocket. The pressure was on to seal the deal with the love of my life. Oh my God. Yeah, I just picked up like 27 brownie points. <laughs> Anyone that knows me knows I rarely leave things unplanned and this day was no different. It was all set. It was ready to go. We would take a trip up to Leland, Fishtown, have a wonderful lunch, and our marriage proposal would happen 
somewhat organically between the time that we were in Fishtown and Traverse City. I mean, I could tell he had something planned. I knew I was going back to school and we've been talking about it for a while. And he was real nervous the whole day. But we had a great time in Leland and then we headed back to Traverse City and decided to kind of walk around downtown because it's a beautiful area. We ended up stopping at the, is it the Cherry Republic? Is that what it's called? Yeah, one of those cherries. Yeah, where basically Traverse City is known for the Cherry Festival and all the cherries they have. So they have a bunch of samples of different food products and jams and jellies and all that good stuff. So we were in there and all of a sudden we just heard the rain pouring down. (laughs) And so, well, I mean, it was a good spot to be stuck. We had snacks during the rainstorm, but... But it really put a damper on any type of plan that I thought I had because we weren't going with like the notebook uh, classic theme of the rainstorm. <laughs> wasn't wasn't my original plan. Eventually, the rain subsided and we decided to walk towards the Grand Traverse Bay. There was a walking bridge that we walked across that you could tell Seth was really thinking about it. We walked across it a couple times, but he obviously didn't think that was the right timing. But we eventually made it to the beach right on the Grand Travis Bay. Uh, we were pretty secluded. There was no one around. Um... This was ideal for me. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting to the climax of the story. I wish I remembered it. So we started walking down the beach. It could have been feet. It might have been miles. I don't know. My mind was racing at this point. I never thought that I would have this type of nervousness seeing as at this point we had been together for 10 years, I think. Yeah, going on 11. But uh, let me tell you, when you're about to pop the question, you can't really think of much else. Now, when I went down on one knee, I might as well have taken a left hook to the chin because I don't remember anything that happened until I remember Chloe saying happily, yes, and smiling, and we embraced. (laughs) He also, right before he got down on one knee, I'm pretty sure whispered under his breath, oh, no, no, (laughs) sand all over me. (laughs) but he still did it and it he said some nice things too that obviously he doesn't remember but it was a really special moment and i'm glad it worked out that way he also pinned on the gps where we were located just in case we wanted to do anything with that information you never know so there you have it our less than perfect marriage proposal story but it's our story so it's perfect for us (laughs) just so everybody knows this is take two of this part because chloe was so upset Speaking of proposals, we propose you travel to Michigan. What a transition. To back up that claim, here are four hot tips when traveling in the state of Michigan. Number one, when heading up north, travel on the weekdays to avoid the crowds. Number two, visit Michigan in the fall for the beautiful fall color tour of the northern lower peninsula or the upper peninsula. Number three, When traveling in Michigan, embrace each region's unique local culture, whether it's the breweries of Grand Rapids, the cherries of Traverse City, or the pasties of Dayoub. Number four. If you've visited Michigan outdoor attractions in the summer, consider visiting those places in the off-season as well for a totally different experience. And And now, now, back back to to the the trivia. trivia. Question seven. Popularized by Hemingway stories, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan is often thought of as a vast and wild place, no doubt home to more wildlife than people. Today, the area is visited each year by many tourists eager to take in its natural splendor. While there are definitely places more remote or off the beaten path, 
By one statistic, a small Upper Peninsula town is the most isolated. What UP town is the farthest point from an interstate highway in the lower 48? answer is Copper Harbor. Although Eagle Harbor deserves an honorable mention here as it is second in all categories. At 251 driving miles from Interstate 39 in Rothschild, Wisconsin, Copper Harbor is the farthest town from an interstate highway in the continental United States. So if you're really looking to get away from it all, point your compass north and head deep into the Keweenaw Peninsula of Michigan on a true off-the-beaten-path adventure. Question 8. As we've learned throughout this week's trivia, Michigan is home to a lot of water. You can't seem to get away from it. If you tried, how many miles can you get away from a great lake in Michigan? Answer is no more than 85 miles from a great lake and no more than six miles from a body of water. While the actual farthest spot from the great lake is up for some debate, one journalist research suggests that the spot can be found in Eaton Rapids, Michigan, specifically on the corner of Maine and Hamlin. Question 9 The following is an excerpt from Native American folklore provided by the National Park Service. Once, long ago, in the land called Wisconsin, across the Great Lake, there was a terrible hunger and many people died. Many were trying to leave that place and come around the lake where there would be more food. They walked for many days on the beach together, but after a while, the young began to whimper with hunger, and so the mother decided to swim across the rest of the lake. They all waded into the water, and they swam off into the lake a long way. After a while, the young began to get very tired, and so the mom said, Try hard, the land is not very far, and very soon they did come in sight of land. But gradually, the young got weaker, and only ten miles away, one sank into the water. Soon after, the other also drowned. The mother's heart was broken, but she could do nothing. She waded ashore and lay down, looking out on the water where her young had died. Eventually, both of them came to the surface as two little islands, and so the mother still lies there atop the dunes, looking after her young. What is the name of the famous lakeshore that got its name from this Anishinaabe oral tradition?
And the answer is Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore. While the story may be a little depressing, a trip to the dunes would surely cheer you up. The Sleeping Bear Dunes are the largest freshwater dune system in the entire world, with the tallest topping out at over 450 feet. To really appreciate the sheer size of this place, take the dunes trail all the way down to the surface of Lake Michigan, but be warned, what goes down must come up. Question 10. True or false? The once mining boomtown of Calumet, Michigan, located along the Keweenaw Peninsula, narrowly lost by one vote to the city of Lansing for the title of Capital City of Michigan. And the answer is false. Not only false, but really, really false. I'd like to take this time to clear up a bit of Upper Peninsula folklore that, although sounds interesting, is blatant misinformation. Although it is true that Calumet flourished as a mining town and at one time had a population rivaling and surpassing many Lower Peninsula cities, it could never have been the state capital. Why, you might ask? Well, simply put, it didn't exist yet. The voting that took place within the state legislation to decide on a state capital occurred on February 10, 1847. At that time, Calumet had no real population to speak of and sat as a dormant powerhouse of natural resources yet to be exploited. By the time Calumet rose from its deep mines of copper in the 1860s, Lansing had already been the capital for nearly 20 years. Although the truth behind this myth isn't nearly as fun, we can still appreciate Calumet for the great city it once was and the cultural impacts it still has on the region to this day. In the event of a tie, or if you're looking to earn a little bit of extra credit, here's today's bonus question. In 1926, Michigan became home to the nation's first regularly scheduled passenger air service. What two Michigan cities did this flight connect? And the answers are Grand Rapids and Detroit. I'm not so sure how I would feel about hopping on an airplane a mere 23 years after the first ever human flight, but bravo to those brave passengers. So how did Chloe fare on home state trivia? Well, I'm starting to think all that time in Kentucky took a toll on her. Chloe scored a respectable 6 out of 10 and got one of the two cities right in the bonus. To be fair, this episode did lean toward the Upper Peninsula, but hey, you live and you learn. Alright folks, that brings us to the end of another episode of Travel and Trivia. I hope you enjoyed testing your knowledge and maybe even pick some up along the way. If you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to leave us a review. That would be much appreciated. 
If you would like to dig deeper into the topics discussed in today's episode, check the references linked in the show notes. If you haven't already, follow and share with your traveling friends. So far, we've focused on parks and states. For next week's episode, we'll be going with the flow. The topic will be famous U.S. rivers. As always, we at Travel Down Wander wish you well on your next adventure. You'll only ever regret the trips you don't take.